Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you live coverage of the girls and boys NSAA High School Soccer Championships from Morrison Stadium at Creighton University. Tuesday, May 14th, see Class B boys at 5.30 p.m. Central and Class A boys at 8 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. Kicking off our number two here on Herd at Sports Radio, I'm Ravi Lula, Andrew Rogers with me as well. We're on AM590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities, and we are joined now by Mark Weiser. He is the Georgia beat writer for the Athens Banner Herald. Mark, how are you this morning? Doing well. How are you guys doing? We are doing well. We appreciate you joining us. I know it's a little unusual to be talking to Nebraskans at this time of year, but we appreciate you uh, you joining us here on the show as we kind of go through the pertinent players in the college football playoff scenario. It would be uh, malpractice of us not to talk to the two-time defending national champions who are, oh, by the way, still currently undefeated. You know, uh, Mark, I know a lot of people, myself included, thought early in the season this Georgia team had taken a step back and they appeared beatable, but they weathered that portion of the schedule and now look as good as anybody in the country. Is that how you process this season up close and personal, or how have you looked at the development of this team from week one to now? You know, there's been a couple of different ways to, to look at it. I mean, I, I don't think that they are as dominant a team as you saw, uh, you know, maybe last year or the year before, but they don't have to be. They have to be the best team, you know, for this season. And it really is depending game game by game. I mean, there's been a kind of an unusual occurrence, which is the other team jumping ahead of Georgia in a lot of these games. And Georgia's given up, I think it was five straight uh, first possession touchdowns to the opposition. But, you know, they there's no panic when this team goes behind. Um, you know, and then some games in particular, some of their biggest games, uh, you know, the Ole Miss game, the Kentucky game, the uh, the Tennessee games, games that, that kind of were, were a little bit uh, hyped up. I mean, you know, Missouri game, you can almost include in that. Georgia, you know, really looked like uh, their best version of themselves. They, they were hitting on all cylinders. Missouri, we found out, is, you know, one of the best teams around. I guess they're maybe top 10 this week in the college football playoff rankings. Um, you know, and that was a closer than expected game. But, you know, besides Alabama, Missouri might be the third best team in the SEC. Um, but this Georgia team certainly, uh, you know, is capable of three-peating and, um, you know, just a little bit different, uh, more offensive-oriented, uh, not as dominant on defense. Mark, speak to how wild the three-peat actually could be for this program because it's not like Georgia was competing for titles until Kirby Smart pulled up and told everyone to hold his beer. Now the dogs are lifting trophies, sending guys to the league like it's their job. How did Georgia rise to the top and become the kings of college football? Like, What do you think was the moment when everything just clicked? Yeah, Kirby Smart took over a very good program, but one that, that you know, hadn't been able to, to you know, crack through and, and get to a college football, uh, you know, championship game. I mean, they were five yards short in 2012 against Alabama in the Georgia Dome. They had beaten, uh, you know, if they had had a touchdown on that last uh, play instead of a deflected uh, pass that got caught short of the goal line, you know, the, the chances are they go and, and roll over Notre Dame like Alabama did. Uh, you know, Kirby Smart has, has taken it up another level for Mark Rick, who, you know, won 10-plus games, pretty much, you know, uh, averaged that much. Uh, and this is a, a different deal. I mean, he, he implemented Alabama's uh, – a lot of what they did there, what he learned from Nick Saban through, 
you know, nine seasons there and uh, has gotten the financial support. Uh, you know, if there's a facility that needs to be built, um, Kirby's going to get it here. And, and they're recruiting, uh, you know, very um, aggressively and relentlessly. And, uh, you know, stack, you stack top three recruiting classes on top of each other year after year, and you develop, uh, you know, players like Alad McConkey or Stetson Bennett that, that aren't five stars, uh, you know, you're going to be a championship uh, caliber program. Mark, I'm I'm curious because there's there's been a lot of uh, a lot of former Saban assistants that have had mixed amounts of success as head coaches once they've left Tuscaloosa, and it's if I'm remembering correctly, Kirby Smart was the first one to win at a super high level after leaving Alabama. What what makes Kirby Smart different than a lot of these other guys that? just maybe weren't able to figure it out. How was he able to replicate that success from Alabama? You know, he's only 47 year old, 47 years old now, and he has two national championships. Uh, you know, Nick Saban um, won a lot of the national championships at Alabama, but he didn't get his first there until 2009, and he was older than Kirby then. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Kirby learned, um, you know, and he, he ran the defense, I'm sure, you know, as he uh, got further and further into his Alabama um, you know, tenure that, that Nick Saban, you know, loosened the reins and it, it became more and more Kirby's uh, defense. So, um, you know, uh, it's interesting if you look at Alabama's kind of dip, um, you know, without Kirby, you know, people look at it at the kind of a changing of the guard. How much did Kirby have to do with what Nick Saban's success is? Now, of course, uh, you know, Bama goes out tomorrow and, and beats Georgia. You know, that changing of the guard will have halted a, a good bit and, and Alabama will look, uh, you know, like an, another equal of Georgia. But, um, you know, Kirby Smart's a son of a, of a high school coach, successful. He grew up, um, you know, in this game, and it's been his kind of life's work to a certain extent. I mean, he was an all-SEC safety, graduated from the business school at Georgia. So he's got a lot of good qualities. Um, and, you know, just the, the focus of, uh, you know, if he wins a national title number three, uh, you know, you're going to hear that that night or the next morning what he's thinking about with the transfer portal or his next recruiting class. I mean, he doesn't uh, spend much time soaking them up. He's looking for what's next. Mark, you mentioned these, you know, stacking these recruiting classes and and this immense amount of talent that they've been able to accumulate at Georgia. But then you also mentioned kind of the anomaly there in Stetson Bennett, which that quarterback position at Georgia has been one of the stranger things uh, under Kirby Smart where they pretty consistently bring in a super high-level guy, but you have, you know, you have a guy like Justin Fields transfer out. You have Stetson Bennett beating out these much higher-rated uh, recruits. How much of that is, I guess, how, how and why did that happen, I guess, is the real question. You know, Kirby inherited Jacob Eason, a five-star um, that Mark Rick kind of laid the, the foundation for, but, um, you know, he didn't hold on to the job for too long. He transferred out when Jake Fromm, a, mm-hmm. uh, a high four-star, uh, you know, kind of won the job when Eason got injured. Um, you know, JT Daniels transfers from Southern Cal, and, you know, everyone was waiting for him to be ready to go after his knee injury that, that kind of limited him until the fourth game, the fourth to last game of that season. Um, you know, but then, uh, you know, when, when Eason, or rather, when, uh, when Daniels had his own injuries, you know, Stetson Bennett play, played himself into the position and, and didn't give it up, and, you know, it took a long time for Georgia's fan base and even the coaching staff to really believe that Stetson Bennett was the kind of guy that could win them a championship. 
And once he did, you know, he did it again a second time. And, um, you know, this year it's, it's Carson Beck, a, a guy that, you know, kind of has bucked every trend. He's, he's a fourth-year guy that didn't start a game until his uh, fourth year of college, which doesn't happen anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, those guys are in the transfer portal, and, and now he's kind of stepped in seamlessly with the new coordinator and, you know, could be playing – if he plays a different game than Stetson Bennett, he's not going to be as athletic with his feet. But, um, you know, great uh, – he can make every throw and, and uh, is a winner, really has command of the offense and, and has a lot of confidence. Mark, let's talk about some of those key pieces for the Bulldogs um, and, and run us through the injury report for this game in particular, especially the presences of Brock Bowers and Lad McConkey. How necessary will it be for them to suit up in this one if Georgia wants consistent success on offense? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, they've have found ways to win games without key guys week after week. Now, not not as many as are kind of on the questionable list now. I mean, Brock Bowers warmed up against Georgia Tech. I think if it wasn't uh, the SEC championship game, he would have played. Um, but, you know, they, they knew that they had enough talent to get through that game. Um, I expect he would be playing, and, you know, I don't know if he's going to get his normal 55, 60 snaps. He's coming off, uh, you know, that high ankle surgery, and he came back for a couple games and has had some soreness. Lad McConkey has really missed about half the season between a back injury and an ankle injury. He might be more of a, a guy that you can only get in for about 15 snaps tomorrow. But, you know, a guy like Dylan Bell is, is kind of pushed down the depth chart or, or, you know, pushed down the amount of targets he gets. Uh, when those guys are available, but you know he makes a lot of plays as a as a kind of a fill in a running back when they had some injuries there. Uh, made a great catch on the sideline last week against Georgia Tech through a touchdown pass at Tennessee. Um, you know they have Oscar Delp, another good tight end behind Brock Bowers. Um, Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint uh, can show up in in games and make big catches. So. Um, you know, Ra Thomas is a Mississippi State transfer that's been dealing with a foot injury. Um, he might be the, the furthest from being available. Uh, and then the other guy was Tate Rattledge, an offensive guard, um, who they have enough guys on the offensive line where, you know, whether he can go or not, I imagine he'd be available. But, uh, you know, like Amarius Mims came back from ankle surgery and was ready for a couple games, but they didn't put him out there because they had other guys that were just a little bit healthier and ready to go. So, um, you know, Georgia can use everyone available against Alabama, they could probably still get by if they're missing one or two of them. I don't, I don't think uh, missing Bowers and McConkie together would be ideal. Uh, we're talking with Mark Weiser. He is the Georgia beat writer for Athens Banner Herald. Uh, Mark, as you look at this Alabama team, uh, eye test definitely tells you this is the best team that Georgia will have faced all year, certainly the most talented, even though there was a, a couple other teams in the same ratings range as Alabama at the time that Georgia played them. What are you expecting to see from this Alabama team that's going to challenge Georgia in a way that they haven't been challenged yet this year? I don't know if it's that they haven't been challenged uh, with the quarterback uh, run and the um, the dynamic nature of Jalen Milrow. It's just probably not to the level that that he can do it. I mean, last week, Haynes King of of Georgia Tech, the Texas A&M transfer, uh, quarterback, he ran for a couple of touchdowns, um, you know, in the in the red zone, um, and Georgia just had a hard time. They, they're missing Jamon Dumas Johnson, uh, probably their best inside linebacker, and they have a couple of freshmen that are in there that are very talented, but don't have the kind of experience. Um, against Auburn, their quarterback ran for about 65 yards um, down the down the sideline. So they've had issues, and Jalen Milrow. 
um, you know, is, is very special with his ability um, to either scramble or on design runs or, or just sit in the pocket and, and really find um, his open receiver. So, um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting, uh, you know, if they spy him with, with a player or, or what they do. But, you know, Jalen Miller is going to make his plays. It, it's just a matter of what else gets going. I know Alabama's top running back, McClellan, is, is uh, you know, maybe doubtful. And uh, they don't have the type of wide receivers that they've had in past years. So, um, you know, Georgia might be the uh, more explosive offensive team in this one. Now, Mark, is there a worry at all Georgia could be knocked out of the college football playoff if they take a loss on Saturday with knowing what, like, any scenario could bring? Certainly. I mean, there's a a possibility that Alabama wins and the SEC gets shut out entirely. I don't think that's going to happen, but – um, I think it would be hard to obviously uh, keep Alabama out of the playoff um, if Georgia's going in. So an Alabama win probably puts Alabama like at fourth in the pecking order, and Georgia could be on the outside looking in, depending, you know, what happens w- w- with Texas, uh, you know, what happens with Florida State. Um, you know, they are not a lock to get there, unlike the last couple of years, because of uh, you know just the nature of about eight different teams. Uh, that, that are kind of in that mix, uh, you know, Georgia. Now, a, a tight loss, if it's, uh, you know, an incredible, you know, 35-34 uh, Alabama win, something like that, I, I think there's a possibility that both these teams get in. Um, you know, it just remains to be seen how things shake out this weekend. All right, Mark, I'm, I'm not going to ask for a score or anything, but if there's a couple of keys for Georgia to come out on top of the, on this game, what would those keys be? I'll give you a score because I, I already put it up on our website. Oh, beautiful! Oh, nice. Perfect. I love it. <laughs> I got Georgia. I got Georgia thirty-one to twenty-four. Um, I think you know what's really been helping Georgia offensively while they've been dealing with all these injuries to their skill players on the outside uh, is Kendall Milton running the ball at you know the best he's ran it uh, you know in his career. He's a guy that's dealt with a, a bunch of injuries, but really uh, has taken a lot of runs to the second level. Has really uh, broken a lot of tackles. Been a physical runner. And Alabama has, you know, given up some rushing yards against Auburn last week, some some of the times this year. So uh, I think that's an advantage for Georgia if they can get Kendall Milton, uh, you know, continuing on that pace. And, um, you know, I, I think uh, Alabama uh, – I think Georgia is going to score their points. So, you know, if, if nobody has scored on Georgia uh, more than 23 points this season, and, uh, you know, there's the difference, I think. I, I think Georgia's defense – um, while not what the le- they've had the same couple of seasons, uh, I think they will be uh, the best defense that Alabama has faced, and you know th- that's why I got this thing 31-24. All right, Mark, we'll get you out here on this. Let's change gears just quickly and talk Fran Brown for a moment. We're big coaching carousel guys on the show. We know a little bit about his work just because of his connection with Matt Rule, but how exciting is it to see him finally get his shot at a school like Syracuse? Yeah, it's a great fit, you know, kind of outside-the-box thinking for the athletic director there. Uh, Big-time ties to the Northeast, a relentless recruiter. Only spent two years at Georgia. Uh, you know, it's kind of weird to have a position coach go uh, to become a head coach, but Sam Pittman had some success at Arkansas in his first few seasons, not as much this year. Um, so, you know, looks like a, a good hire. Uh, it would be a loss for Georgia on the recruiting trail. I think Fran's the number one rated recruiter by the 247 kind of recruiting coaching rankings, and it's a it's a member of uh, Kirby Smart's coaching tree, but like you said, it's more Matt Rule. He he was with them at Temple. He was with them at TCU. Um, and so, uh, New Jersey guy going to uh, upstate New York is is a good fit for uh, for the Orange. 
Mark Weiser from Athens Banner Herald. Mark, we appreciate your time and uh, enjoy covering the game this weekend. All right, should be a good one. Thanks, guys. Thanks, That's Mark. Mark Weiser from the Athens Banner Herald. Good stuff there from Mark. So I heard this this morning driving in on on 590. The national um, the national folks were talking about if you could only watch one conference Ooh. championship game this weekend. Like, hey, the radio is out, the TV is out, all <laughs> like the internet. No is internet. Down, but somehow, some way, you got to choose the one game that you could watch. What would it be? I mean, that's pretty easy for me. It's it's Washington, Oregon. That's so the, Friday night's game. Tonight's yeah, game. tonight's game. That's the best one to me. I because I, Bama and Georgia is what most people would it's say sec- is the best. That's game. second for me because of how much closer the spread is with the uh, yeah. I with think the that talent that is on the field. I think that spread in Oregon, Washington is just asinine. Like I think it's so dumb. So honestly, I think it's a trap. I think. Georgia will or, or uh, Georgia uh, Oregon will actually cover it you think so because Vegas wants you to choose Washington plus 10 sure yeah That's, this is the ideal trap game like if, if you were reading a, a chapter in the <laughs> what not to do when you're sports betting you'd get to this page and be like don't bet on Washington well, because why would why in any world would Washington as the number three team in the country mm-hmm. Undefeated, already beat Georgia once this year, even if people want to claim. Oregon. Oregon. Yeah, I, yeah. What did I say again? Georgia. Georgia? That's right. We're see, just we talking just to Georgia. Done it's talking right. Georgia. <laughs> already beat Oregon once this yeah. year, even if those want to argue that Oregon was the better team in that game. Who scoreboard. won? Yeah, scoreboard. Who won? It was Washington that you're nine and a half, ten point dogs. Yeah. Like that right there is a trap. Well, I don't want to spoil our picks for later because we will get to those. But yeah. Um, Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. What's up, Shane? I was just going to say, being my favorite weekend this weekend for sports, you have four games in a row that, you, you, that you're going to want to watch. I mean, you got tonight's game, you got tomorrow's game with Texas, then you got the SEC championship, then you got the Big Ten championship. After that, out of those four, Big Ten championship's probably the fourth. So... Any of the other three. <laughs> the Big Ten Championship, I'd rather watch the Conference USA game yeah. than the Big Ten Championship. Listen, I'm watching SMU Tulane before I'm watching, <laughs> which I love. SMU Tulane. Let's go, baby. Uh, but you, you don't you don't think it would be close? Which one? At all? Like Michigan? Yeah, I mean, you it, don't think they're Iowa's? They're going to shut them out. They're going to shut out yeah, Iowa. I was, Iowa's not scoring a point. Iowa's they're not scoring a point? Not, good. not scoring a point. Uh, Iowa can't move the football, and J.J. McCarthy won't make a mistake that is – Costly enough for that defense to turn it into six. Yeah. He just won't. Yeah. So the primetime game is trash. Well, don't worry. You've got Florida State Louisville in primetime, too, so you can switch over. Oh, you'll, okay. be, you'll be all right. Mich- let's just put it this way. In my multi-TV setup, Michigan-Iowa will be the game that has no sound on it. That's what we're going to do there. Um, but, no, for me, listen, I think this game, this Oregon-Washington game, is going to be way closer than people think, way closer than Vegas thinks. I am not buying into this narrative that Oregon is significantly better than Washington. We've He's seen this buying in the trap. This is we've Don't seen place this, the bet people. We've seen this all year. Washington has been doubted and underrated against a bunch of teams this year and they still get it done. But if we know anything about the underrated team, it always catches up to them at some point. Yeah. Whether it's in the college football playoff or not. Which is where I think it will catch up to Washington if they're depending on how this plays out. So you're right? giving them an extra week. Yeah, I do, because I think they know how to beat Oregon. They at least know how to be in the game. Well, they, they did beat Oregon, right. one, so they do know how to beat Oregon. And they know how to be in the game with Oregon, right? Like, I, I, I think you might see if they end up playing an Alabama or a Georgia, 
that they get the TCU treatment. Maybe not to the same extent, but kind of what, what we've seen there in the past. I don't think Oregon's going to do that to Washington because the, of the familiarity there. They know, what's go- they know what to expect and how to deal with it. And also, Michael Penix is that good. Like, Michael Penix is that good that their defense – and listen, that's not to take anything away from Bo Nix because he's that good also. But Oregon's defense isn't stopping Michael Penix. They might still win that game, but it's not going to be because Michael Penix got shut down. Mm -hmm. It's going to be, hey, they made just enough plays to win that game. I think it's going to – I don't think it's going to be the 10. I'm not going to give away my pick yet, but I don't – 10 is too many. That is so too many points. I'm with you. I would choose Oregon-Washington. That's my favorite game um, of the weekend. Not, it is one of mine, too. Yeah. Um, I think Alabama and Georgia, if we asked, uh, if we pulled 100 people, if this was Family Feud, oh, sure, yeah, this yeah. Would, yes. Alabama-Georgia would be the number one answer. And it's my two, but it's, I agree the, the general public probably puts that first. Then you would have Oregon. Then, yes, Shane, you would have – I would say you'd probably have Florida State-Louisville – then Texas, Oklahoma State, just because, again, we're talking about a giant point spread from Texas to Oklahoma State. Yeah. And if you, if you really have any interest in the college football playoff, mm-hmm. the Florida State game can is a te- must. Yeah, well, not just that. It can really decide who's in and yes, who's out. Absolutely. It's a must watch. So that is why they get the edge over Texas, even though Texas can also decide who's in, who's out. But Florida State is like the one that if they lose, they're, of course, out. But if they win, I still think they could be out. I think there's a scenario. But here's the, pro- here's the problem with Texas is even if they win, it guarantees nothing. Florida State, I know you don't think it guarantees them anything either, but it is more of a chance for them to make it if they win than if Texas wins. Texas still needs some help, right? They need Alabama to win. They need Oregon to win. They still need some help to get in to that position. But And, and Florida State is, is a much smaller point mm-hmm. spread as well, so you're probably going to end up having a better game there. I don't necessarily expect Oklahoma State to put up a big fight here like it might be close early but I think Texas with what they have on the line is going to be able to get up for this game and take care of business I'll I'll be quite honest with you Oklahoma State shouldn't even be here the only reason Oklahoma State is in this game is because they got the win against Oklahoma earlier this year it should be it it should be Oklahoma Texas yeah it should be a rematch of the Red River rivalry which I hate saying because there's too many R's and L's (laughs) So I'm going to say it slow and stupid every time. Uh, but we can all agree, Michigan-Iowa, the least interesting game of the day. And I am putting that behind Tulane and SMU. So that's hot, hot garbage. Hot garbage. I'm I mean, shoot, I'd rather watch the MAC. I, I, would, I literally am more excited about watching Liberty and New Mexico State because I love Jamie Chadwell. Mm-hmm. Somebody hire my guy, Jamie Chadwell. Duke, I'm looking at you. Hire Jamie Chadwell. Well, speaking of coaches that need uh – need to be elevated from group of five to power five watch the sunbelt championship game all i'm saying is check out a little troy football they are five and a half point favorites and john summerall has been super successful early on in his troy career expect to see his name getting tossed around if not this season next season sunbelt more like funbelt one of our other guys James Madison just got, Kurt Signetti just got that Indiana job. We'll see him up close and personal in the Big Ten. Uh, Coming up next, I have a super stupid question to ask Andrew here on Red Sports Radio.